We too allow bitter. One of the other reasons I'm glad to be here today is because I wanted to hear a word from the Lord and I knew who our guest was. The Reverend Dr. Bernard Richardson, who serves as the Dean of Rankin Chapel at Howard University, is arguably one of the best friends I have in ministry. And I'm grateful for him today to be here with us. He is a phenomenal preacher, a man of God who, who has a unique way of connecting head and heart in our worship of the Lord. And uh, we frequently call upon him not only for time of preaching, but also for time of spiritual reflection with our ministerial staff as we continue to grow. He led us in our staff retreat this year and uh, time of prayer and deep contemplation. And I'm grateful to have you in this place, Dr. Richardson. And I apologize for my Omega comment when I was at Howard University. Um, please don't get me back while you stand here at Alfred Street on today. Good morning, Alfred Street. What an honor it is to be back at Alfred Street. This is an incredible church with an incredible pastor. I'd like to give God thanks for my long time friend, Dr. Judy Frenches Williams. Uh, and I met your pastor many, many years ago when she was on, when he was on Judy's staff in Hartford, Connecticut, my, my. And she told me that I had to meet this young man who is just extraordinary. And I did meet him. And back then, I knew he was destined for greatness, uh, but experiencing his ministry uh, in this moment is just incredible for me. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm happy for the applause you gave him when he came to the pulpit, because sometimes we fail to recognize greatness when it's close to us. And truly, you are blessed to have a great pastor. And I've been in ministry for many years, and I had the honor of um, working with the staff in the retreat recently. And I experienced something in that retreat that was just incredible for me as I watched and witnessed and listened to the pastor pray over his leaders. It was an incredible experience. Uh, there are people who have a gift and um, I was able to witness that gift in such a very powerful way. So thank you, Pastor. And I'm not going to talk about you because the last time he was in my pulpit at Rankin Chapel, he started messing around talking about fraternities. And I got so many calls after that, and I'm not going to do that. I'm better than that. But, but I... I wish I was strong enough not to say this, though, but your pastor has so many gifts and talents, and God had to humble him 
by letting him be a captain because he could not have been a chief. That's all I'm going to say. You have, to be a hum- you have to be a humble person to do what he's done. And to be a Q would have been just too much. So thank God. Okay. With that said, I'm going to... Let me, let me, let me be... I'm, uh, Dr. Reed says I should be brief. And I told her, she told me I can be very brief this morning. And she'll take the blame. But I want to talk with you this morning about living in the meantime. Also like to acknowledge the Reverend Cecil Duffy, the assistant dean of the chapel who's with us this morning, Reverend Duffy. Thank you so much. In the book of Jeremiah, in the 29th chapter, there's an account of the children of Israel living in exile. Jeremiah speaks to them about what God desires for them during this time of captivity. I'm just going to share a few verses of familiar scripture, the 29th chapter, verses 4 to the 14th verse. I'm just going to share some of the few verses, beginning with verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You may be seated. I'd like for you to Close your eyes for a moment and I share this prayer meditation with you just for a moment. I've often heard that God never changes and that's so true but we change. And in that change, we have to come away with a new, and sometimes a different understanding of who God is for us. I love you differently. I love you differently, Lord. I once loved you because I believed that you had spared me from the troubles that happened to others. Although my life has been spared many of the troubles that others have experienced, I have known trouble 
And I know that your love for me does not exempt me from the trials and tribulations that will come with my humanity. And so I love you differently. I once loved you because you gave to me a strong family foundation, character, and personality that allowed me to maneuver my way through life without succumbing to the many temptations that came my way. But when I discovered that these attributes could not keep me from yielding to temptations and that there were things I thought I would never do, I did. I had to love you differently. I once loved you because you spared me from the consequences of my sins, my, my weaknesses, and my ignorance. But as I grew in wisdom and understanding, I was able to see that there were consequences and my actions and, trans and, and actions hurt others and myself. I had to love you differently. I once loved you because of the many blessings that came from the results of my serving and believing. But now that I know that my goodness was not really goodness at all and that I deserve nothing from you, I had to learn to love you differently. I have learned, Lord, and, and still learning that through the many changes of my love for you, your love for me has never changed and will never change. I love you differently. Amen. The people were living in exile. It was a troubling experience for people. They were removed from their homeland and stripped of everything that gave them a sense of identity. Even the songs that they used to sing songs of freedom and faith were now being requested as entertainment by those who held them captive. The psalmist describes the experience so eloquently when he says, by the rivers of Babylon we wept when we remember Zion. We hung our harps on the willows and they that carried us away captive required of us a song and they asked, how can we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? In a sense, what they were saying is how can we live with what has happened to us? A troubling time in the history of people, but it's an experience that isn't unfamiliar to us. For one does not have to be taken away to a foreign land to feel as if you're in exile, to feel as if you're living in a strange place. For it's not a matter of geography. You can have your day all planned out. You can have a list of things to do. But then you receive a phone call about the results of a medical test. Or the passing of a loved one. Or maybe the conversation is about the end of a relationship. Or the loss of a job. And although the conversation may have lasted only a few minutes, it felt like an eternity. And what you planned, what you had planned, no longer feels important. And the world in which you now live is so different and is so strange. It doesn't even have to happen to you personally, but it can happen 
In other ways, you can wake up one morning and learn that your nation has elected a leader who embodies not only the, not the best, but the worst of the ideals that a nation ought to value. A leader who desires to take a nation back to a way of life that is against life. So many things could happen to you. And what makes all of this so hard is that you feel powerless to do anything about it. My, my sense is that there are many people here this morning who, who understand what I'm talking about. You, you've been there. You, you have lived and spent time in the meantime. And yet, you can also remember people telling you to, to just hold on and your change is gonna come, your, your breakthrough is coming, and all that is true. But, but we have to be careful because sometimes people will throw scriptures at you and offer easy answers to what has been so difficult. We have people, leaders, who it's, it's so difficult. They, they want to lead people, but they don't love people. They, 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 they don't come at you with compassion and with love. And they want to know how to live in the meantime, but, but, but they're so afraid to open themselves up because you shout at them. We shout at them, but we don't love them. The word Jeremiah received from God must have been very strange to those who were living in the exile especially when they were told how long it would take for that change to come. It was too long. In the church of my childhood, we would sing a song that said, he may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. You know, I, I love that song, and, but that song takes on a new meaning when you're living in the meantime. Sometimes you, you, you think that God has forgotten your address. God has taken too long. When you're living in the meantime, you have to have a new understanding about time. A friend of mine was going through a very difficult time. And so she called me seeking guidance. And in the middle of the conversation, she, she seemed to, to reach a, a, a deep point of despair. She started to cry, and, and, she, and she said to me, never mind. It really doesn't matter anymore. I've been struggling too long, and even if things were to get better, too much time has passed. She said it isn't worth trying anymore. And then she hung up on me. And I, I understood her, her need to vent and hope that and I had hoped that she would tell God what she had told me. Yeah. To do what scripture says, to turn her laments, her frustrations into prayer. Yeah. To tell God how she really felt. Yeah. It's so important, you and I must understand this. It's so important that our prayers are real. Yeah. Oftentimes our prayers ought to be as messy as our lives.
I felt a pain and I, and I struggled with it. Especially when she said too much time had passed. And I had to confess that, that, that sometimes living in the meantime can feel like an eternity. And as I was about to, to take on my friend's frustration and, and sink into my own frustration, God put a word in my heart. The scripture from the book of Joel that said God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten started to heal me. You see, when we find ourselves living in the meantime, we must remember that God is able to put enough living in our lives, joy in our lives, purpose in our lives, a newness in our lives that is beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And it can cause us to reinterpret our past. So much so that we can look back over past experiences and say they were bad, but if this thing had not happened, these good things would also would not have happened. And, and sometimes, sometimes we, we, we just have to be real. We testify a lot, but you know, all of us, have to admit that the things that have taught us most about who we are, the things that have made us who we are, most of us are too ashamed to even talk about it. But, but, but yet these were the things that, that molded us into who we are. Living in the meantime, another strange word that came from God to the people in exile was that they had to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which God carried them. God, God wanted them to, to make peace even with their enemies. And, and to make peace with their enemies was important so they could make peace with themselves. We're, we're talking about what happens to our hearts when we're living in the meantime experience. In trying times and in times of loss, what we have to worry more about is not a broken heart. What we have to worry about is a hardened heart. A heart that refuses to allow anything or anyone to get close enough to cause us to feel again, to get hurt again. A hardened heart refuses to forgive others and a hardened heart will cause you and make you unable to forgive yourself. A hardened heart gives up on loving life. Some of us, when we find ourselves in the meantime, the anger and the bitterness of what has happened to us can destroy us. Many of you heard the story about the two storekeepers who were once close friends and bitter en became bitter enemies. Hatred and jealousy had taken over. Hatred and jealousy, you don't have hatred and jealousy. Hatred and jealousy has you. And the story goes that the angel of the Lord came and started to speak to one of the storekeepers and says that God has asked me to, to tell you that whatever, you, whatever your heart desires, whatever it is that you want, God is prepared to give it to you. If you want health and strength for your family, if you want all the wealth you want, you can have that under one condition. Whatever you ask for, the man across the street 
your former friend, the one who you hate, will get double whatever you ask for. And he struggled with that. He said, you mean if I, if I ask for wealth and wellness for me and my family, he would get double of what I asked for? The angel said yes. And he thought about it. And with pain and anguish, he went back to the angel. The angel said, did you make up your mind? So much pain. He said, yes. Pluck one of my eyes out. I heard you say, what? How could somebody do that? But we do it all the time. We, too, allow bitterness and, and hatred to rob us of all the joy and all of the blessings that God has for us because of our refusal to let things go. There's some things that have happened to us. There are people who have hurt us. And we keep holding on to it, robbing us of our blessings. And the fact what we're saying, pluck one of my eyes out, I refuse to be happy on those terms. Sometimes the, the hatred and the bitterness, sometimes the resentment has started, came from even when you were a child. There are people who, who are letting go of, 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 of joy and happiness because they keep trying to prove themselves to others rather than to be them, themselves in God. Still trying to prove yourself. Still trying to make somebody think that you're something that you're not. <laughs> Refusing to accept happiness on God's terms. <clears throat> there are many things that, that we have to learn about God and about ourselves when we're living in the meantime. Living in the meantime will introduce you to yourself and to God. Into, into how God operates in your individual lives. There are times in life when God has to step back and leave us to ourselves. Yes. Spiritual writers of old talk about the experience of God removing God's grace for a while so that you can seek God more fervently. Sometimes you can come to church and as great as your pastor is, one of the greatest preachers in this nation has produced, the message doesn't sound the same. The choir, no matter how good they are, somehow the choir just can't get to you. It doesn't move you. And so don't blame the preacher and don't blame the choir. Because sometimes God will allow himself to step back and, and so that you can search for a, a deeper understanding of what it means to serve God. God will strip you of those things that gave you a sense of security so you can go deeper in God and a new way of believing. You heard the story of a swimmer who, who went out too far and started drowning. And there was another great swimmer on the shore who seemed to just sit back and, and watch the man struggle. And people were yelling and screaming at the swimmer to go out and save this man, but he, he took his time. He took off his towel and just went out 
He watched the man sing once and then twice. And finally, he just swam out and pulled them into shore safely. And there were others on the beach, and they asked him, what was wrong with you? Why did you wait? And the swimmer calmly replied, if I had gone out to save him when he was struggling, we both would have drowned. But I waited until the fight was out of him. I waited until he could not depend upon his own strength and to lean entirely on me. Only when I was able to bring him safely, that's why I was able to bring him safely to shore. And sometimes that's what God does. It's only when we've tried everything else and, and failed, it's only when we start beating up on ourselves and, and fighting others around us that God can help us. It's only when we have no other options that we allow God to do what only God can do. You and I, in the time, the meantime experience, have to learn to depend upon the, the weakness of our strength and understand the strength of our weakness. We have to have a philosophy about life that is dynamic and includes rebirth and the possibility of resurrection. We have to believe in a God who is big enough to hold us against all the pressures of this life. To know a God who has a future and a hope for us. And finally, when you're living in the meantime, you have to seek God with all your heart, with all your mind, and when you're, with all of your soul. When we're in the meantime, we're in an unfamiliar place, and we often forget what God has already done for us. We forget that God has his fingerprints on everything good that has happened to us. We forget. But when we find ourselves in a strange place, when everything seems to be going wrong, we, 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 we sort of just step back and we, 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 we shut out the world. We, 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 we make a circle around our lives and, and go into hiding. We put our life on hold. And in doing so, we often shut God out. This is why the text says you have to seek me and call out to me with all of your heart, then you'll find me. You know, it's interesting how we talk about faith. We, we often speak about finding God. But God is not lost. We're lost. We find ourselves, we find our, our true selves when we find God. Mr. Eckhart reminds us, and this is so critical. If you don't remember anything, remember this. When you're going through it and your world becomes so small, when you look within yourself and find guilt, and you look beyond yourself, you see enemies. Eckhart said, there's a place in the soul 
that neither space nor any created thing can touch. Listen to me. There's a place in you that has never been wounded. There's also a place in you, a place of confidence, of, of peacefulness, of strength and hopefulness. There is a place in you where you can know God in a new and powerful way. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, there's a place in you that's never been wounded. The late Dr. Fred Sampson would say when we're living in the meantime, we have to climb the stairs of our soul and go into a room of our heart and put a sign outside our door saying, no trespassing, soul and savior in communion. Because when you're at that place that's never been wounded, it is there where you will find God. That, that, that you have to stop worrying about what other people think about you. What you, what you, go, you have to let those things go. You have to put aside the expectations of others. Go into the room of your heart and God will speak to you. That's what prayer is all about. To go into that place and find that place that will give you the power and the strength to overcome anything that life may do to you. That's so much so, Howard Thurman would say that even death will become a little thing. I love the verse in the 25th Psalm. And I think I'll close with this when the psalmist says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Dr. Francis Williams will say that the Hebrew gives a better understanding. It reads, goodness and mercy will chase after you all the days of your life. This is exactly what God is doing in the meantime. God's goodness and, and, and God's mercy is, is chasing after you. And you're going to have to stop and pause just to take hold of it. In the midst of the struggles, this is where I learned how to, how to do this. Uh, I was at an annual conference in the Methodist church, and the choir was singing the Hallelujah Chorus. And I watched this woman, Mrs. Richardson. Miss Richardson, she was playing the organ, and the music went out. And it was so strange to me because she kept on playing. And looking at the conductor, just kept playing and looking at the conductor. And I said, doesn't she know that there's a music coming out? I'm glad she didn't pay any attention to me. But she kept on playing and, and looking. They were singing the Hallelujah Chorus. She kept on looking and kept on playing. And somebody went into the back and started tinkering with the organ. And, and, and finally, the music came on. And she didn't miss a beat. <laughs> When you're living in the meantime, when things don't seem to be working out, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep doing those things that, that bring you peace. And, and even though
if people will not hear your cries, there'll be nobody to hold your hands or, or affirm your, your goodness and your dreams and your aspirations. But keep on doing what God wants you to do. If you keep doing that, God will bless you. And God will remind you in the midst of all that you've been through that I still have a future for you. I still have a hope for you. I still have a desire for you. God bless you.